Greetings, uh, church and friends of the church. It's first weekend in June of 2020. This is our lucky 13th weekend in this season of wilderness, isolation, disconnection. Um, in our area of the world, we're moving to the yellow designation, which means that some things are opening up a little bit, but we're still very much disconnected from what used to be normal. We don't take any of that for granted anymore. Um, and we know that we're not back to a new, uh, the old normal. We're not to a new normal. We're still somewhere in between and we're not sure exactly how this all ends. Um, this is the latest episode of a series of reflections about what we can experience and how we can be grown and reshaped by this time together in this wilderness place. Um, as we're not just blindly and habitually relating to God, others, and self in the quote-unquote normal ways, but um, are able to have a new imagination for how we can relate to God, others, and self in better um, and more whole ways. So to summarize um, the previous uh, reflections that have been a part of this, these are all um, these are all on YouTube. Um, we've talked about how we have to be present in the midst of this season for it to have an impact on us, for us to actually be shaped, uh, reshaped and grown. Um, the importance of allowing ourselves to feel empathy and not squash that. Um, the importance of allowing ourselves awareness of the privilege that we have um, and allowing that empathy to compel us to want to extend that privilege to others. Um, we've talked about how God is in control of the God stuff, um, but yet we have to be in control of the people stuff in the midst of our norms, our expectations, our rhythms, our life together. We've talked about how we can't just go back to the way things were before this pandemic because back there was not a place of well-being for all. Um, maybe we see that powerfully in, in the world around us as so many voices are uh, crying out, getting us to pay attention to the fact that back there was not good enough. Um, we talked about how then, if we can't just go back, we need adaptation and creativity uh, because old solutions don't help with new circumstances. We've talked about the natural tendencies that evolved to be a part of every human being, the reactivity fight or flight mechanism, are prone, uh, being prone to negativity, being prone to tribalism and, um, and circling, circling around with those who are like us. Uh, we thought about how these natural tendencies are, in a, are a critical part of the stories of Ahmaud Arbery, armed protest conspiracy theories. We reflected on what it really means to be spiritual, not just a purely physical, animalistic being, and, and not just a religious person, uh, and how important it is to be spiritual um, in this journey of becoming something better than we are now. Um, we Then we moved into considering the three major macro temptations that every human being faces as a natural result of these tendencies within us to self-focus and self-protect. Um, the first was, to, was about the relationship to the self and to elevate the self above all else, to believe this temptation that life is all about the pursuit of my own needs, my desires being met, me being protected. Um, and in the last episode, we considered second temptation um, 
to seek power and authority over and against others in our relationships with others, to seek advantage and privilege rather than equality and justice in those relationships. Now, in this episode, we're invited to consider the third of these three major macro temptations that come out from these human tendencies. And we remember that someone who feels temptation is not an evil person, just a human person. We all have these as a natural part of who we are. And so what's important is not whether or not we feel them, because we all do, but how we respond to them. Um, are we going to respond as purely a physical, self-serving creature or as a spiritual being? Um, and we've, in this series, thought about Moses, the prophets, Jesus, more contemporary heroes like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., Bonhoeffer, Mandela, how they had to move beyond these temptations in order to live lives that instigated goodness and justice. So as we consider in the past couple episodes, um, when we read uh, or hear Matthew's telling of the Jesus event, the, the key to his wilderness experience being one of transformation and preparation for living a life that was better and impactful in such a powerful way, um, so that he emerged from this time of wilderness different and didn't just go back to what was normal. The key to that was making room within himself to be filled with the Spirit of God, allowing room within that place that we all have where attitudes are adopted and decisions are made for the voice of the eternal God of love and creativity and justice. Um, it wasn't the voice of his own tendencies to self-focus. It wasn't the voices of the religious leaders around him. It wasn't the voice of greed. It was the voice of the spirit of this eternal, mysterious creator and sustainer we, got, we call God, who also meets us now in this time of wilderness and bids us to face and overcome these temptations for the sake of the world around us. So the third major temptation he faced was regarding the relationship that he had to God. So the first was about the relationship to the self. The second was about relationship to other persons. And the third temptation we face is uh, um, regarding our relationship to God. Um, and that's a temptation to nurture a relationship with God in which, in which uh, God serves our will. God serves us rather than a relationship in which we seek to serve the will or the intention of God. Now, we all have this tendency. Um, it's absolutely birthed out of our fight-flight, negative and tribal tendencies um, to nurture understandings of God that are self-serving, to make us feel protected and safe as though we have an advantage from the mysterious creator and sustainer we call God. That is a natural temptation and tendency that's hardwired into us. And therefore, it's been a, it's been a part of so many religious and spiritual worldviews. Voltaire said that if God created us in his own image, we have more than reciprocated. Mark Twain said it this way, God created man in his own image and man, being a gentleman, returned the favor. Anne Lamott wrote that you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. In these statements, we can hear how these self-serving, self-protecting tendencies that are the legacy of our evolution have shaped our religious, spiritual, philosophical understandings of the divine. I, uh, I am afraid for the eternal well-being of myself or my tribe, and I can't run 
or fight away that fear. So what do I do? I make sure that my God understanding works for me. When Jesus was in the wilderness, this temptation presented itself when the voice that opposes God's will put this idea inside his spirit that he ought to go up to the top of the temple and jump off. And the rationale uh, came from the scripture. God will command his angels to protect you. On their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus' response was, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So this word for uh, put to the test in Greek is a compound of two words. The word for out from and the word for test out thoroughly or to the extreme. It's about pushing the envelope, testing the boundaries until you've exceeded them, moving out from and beyond them. It has, this, it has this sense that the measures are improper and that the pushing takes one beyond the appropriate and reasonable limits. Maybe we know the difference between appropriate testing of boundaries for the sake of learning them and inappropriate measures designed to break and transcend the boundaries. My kids um, have an inherent natural tendency, as all kids do, to test boundaries so that they know they're loved and safe. But sometimes they inappropriately test those boundaries. They push in a way that's an inappropriate attempt to get me to favor them or to spoil them or to in some way meet their desires in an unfair or an unhealthy way. They try to make me into something that I am not. Instead of allowing me to be their father who looks out for their well-being and does what is best for them and their sisters and the whole household, they try to push me beyond those boundaries and turn me into something else, an enabler of their quest for privilege over and against their sisters, or trying to turn me into a servant or a genie who caters to their desires. The story of Jesus in the wilderness is not about the inherent and natural testing of God's love and loyalty so that it makes us feel safe in relationship with God as God is. This story is about the temptation to inappropriately test the boundaries and nature of God in attempt to get God to favor, spoil, or otherwise meet our desires in unfair and unhealthy ways. It's about, this temptation is about our attempts to make God something that God is not. Moving God beyond the boundaries of what God is. Instead of allowing God to be the God of all nations, all peoples, all times, who seeks to provide for all the people of the world in a just humanity, we try to turn God into our enabler, our servant, our genie, who caters to our desires and our fears. Throw yourself down, says the voice. We all know gravity exists. We know that God made it so that it treats everyone the same. But this voice says, God will make a special exception for you. Even though gravity pulls everyone down, God will send some angels so that you're spared from what would happen to everyone else given the circumstances. You can turn God into someone and something other than what God is, says this temptation. You can turn God into a divine being who treats you with special favor instead of treating you the same as everyone else. This temptation may not show up in our lives in the same way. We may not be tempted to climb to the top of buildings and to jump, to turn God in to a divine being in force of conditionality and favor rather than an unconditional force of love and provision and sustenance. But we are tempted in so many ways to turn God into a conditional being for so many other reasons, to believe that God has um, a different relationship with us 
that we have a different standing before God, that we have favor with the creator and sustainer we call God, but that others don't. And when we fall to this temptation, it becomes our excuse for being conditional in our relationship to others and to treat others differently. When we fall to this temptation and we think God loves us more, affirms us more, condones us more, gives us permission to be over and against others more, then we have turned God into something that God is not. When Constantine claimed God as the enabler of the empire, that was turning God into something that God is not. When the Church of the Middle Ages became its own empire and crusaded under the banner of God's permission, that was turning God into something that God is not. When the church endorsed and instigated white exceptionalism, colonialism, slavery, and the extermination of native peoples that they labeled as satanic and godless, they turned God into something that God is not. They went way beyond the boundaries. Today, when the people of the church enable and turn a blind eye to paternalism, greed, homophobia, systemic racism, xenophobia, poverty, a sinful and ungodly widening gap between the wealthy and the poor, we we are turning God into something God is not. We have tested too much, we've pushed too far, and it's been wholly inappropriate. And now we find ourselves beyond the boundaries of what, what God really is. And that distorted understanding of God has given us misguided permission, phantom permission to treat others with conditionality and favor and prejudice. That is not God. Those actions by us are not godly. Says Jesus, God sends the sun and the rains upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. God's relationship to all people is the same, unconditionally. The godly work of creating and sustaining this world so that it nurtures life and well-being is something that God does eternally and unconditionally for the sake of all people. God does the God stuff. There's nothing good or bad that we can do that changes the nature, the character, or the action of God. God doesn't favor and reward people of certain categories or obedience, and God doesn't curse or punish others of different categories or particular flavors of disobedience or imperfection. God is the God of all time and people, period. The temptation to make God into something other than what God really is, to push our understandings inappropriately beyond the boundaries of what actually is, it doesn't just impact our relationship with others and give us permission to live as though we are superior to them and to treat them differently, it can also distort our own understandings of our own circumstances. And it can lead to undue emotional, mental, and spiritual doubt, fear, trauma, and fatigue. Not only can it overinflate our ego, it can also unnecessarily crush and deflate our ego. If we make God into something God is not, a God who um, either rewards or punishes based on our goodness, our deservedness, our ability to do it right, uh, then when something about life is imperfect or hard or disappointing or traumatic, we're going to think that we earned and deserve that. We're going to think that we're not good enough to deserve good things in life. We're going to think that there's something wrong about us or missing or lacking that brought about that punishment in our life. What did I do to deserve this, we ask? Which not only inappropriately turns God into something God is not, because God would never do that to anybody on purpose, but also, it makes us unnecessarily angry. It makes us unnecessarily primed to judge and fight and label uh, as enemy those we think are being rewarded. And it unnecessarily distorts um, our sense of self-worth, harming our emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. 
And maybe we all know how we each respond when we struggle emotionally, mentally, and spiritually with our sense of self. Some isolate, some drink, some eat, some just get angry and violent. And this is all pain. And this is all a lack of holistic health that can be avoided by resisting this temptation. Gandhi is famously quoted as saying, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. God is the primary force creating and sustaining the good and life-giving rhythms of this world for the sake of all people in creation. In the Christian worldview, we understand that Jesus was the embodiment of all that goodness. But so often, we fall to this temptation to remake and refashion our views of God in self-serving ways that assuage our fears, reinforce our prejudices, or meet our desires. And when we turn God into something that God is not, it can turn us into something that we were never meant to be either. So if we want our lives to participate in making the world a better and more just place, if we want to have a legacy that is celebrated rather than selfish, then we have to overcome this temptation. Stay home, stay safe, be well, and peace be with you all.